Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, here we are once again. Big Dave, I'm loving today. You know why? Yes, why? It is yes. every time. I'm loving because I have seen our our uh, guest today on social media all over the place. Never met her person. I'm excited to dig in and see what she who she is and how they deal with engagement. I'll tell you who she is. Who she is is Allegra Tasaki. And Hello, Allegra Tasaki is with the National Association of Bond Lawyers, otherwise known as NABL. And she is the, uh, Allegra, do I have this right? You're the director, uh, communications director, is that right? Yep, that's right. right. And, uh, and and so this, what's interesting is you, this is a slightly different role than we've had on. So this series that we're doing is all about member engagement. The past, yep. I don't know, several, uh, several interviews we've done have been with um, people that are in membership, marketing, and or communications roles. And we've done a lot of membership, we've done a lot of marketing, we haven't had a lot of communications people on, Tom. Yeah, and you know what? I Because I always say it's great. Even if you have the greatest engagement strategy and the greatest value, if you don't know how to communicate it, no one knows the story. You always say that, that don't you? That's right. I always say Like I always say. You know, it's so funny that you say that because... Um, I, you know, in this position, I've met a lot of our different, you know, leadership and we had a new president come in and he, he needed to have, you know, his uh, speech together, but he was really busy. So I said, do you want me to draft something for you after I spoke to him just for about 10, 15 minutes, I'll draft something for you. And then you can just, you know, edit away, but at least you'll have a place to start. And so uh, I drafted something for him and I mentioned, you know, our conferences and why in person is, you know, so important, um, an opportunity to meet your members, those kinds of things. And I said, you know, the, those it's those hallway conversations. So at this past, you know, conference that we just finished a couple of weeks ago, he had another speech. He drafted this one himself, but he said he actually quoted me. <laughs> I've never been quoted. And he's our current president, Jody Smith. And he said, you know, Allegra, our communications director, always says it happens in the hallways. I went, hey. It happens <laughs> in the hallways. I'm autographs in the corner. That's, that's right. the name of your next book. And it could be yeah. about so many things, actually. Like, that, right. that, there's there's so many possibilities of where you could take that book. That's, <laughs> it's a great name. It could be a romance novel. It could be a romance novel. Be, right. Right. It, it, it could be, be a, a, a business be dating. <laughs> <laughs> so Allegra Tasaki, what what is the heritage of your name, Tasaki? So um, I am first generation Japanese. I'm half Japanese and half Italian. My dad came to this country when he was 13. It took a long time. A long your dad time was Japanese. Me. Yeah. Yeah. For him to come first. My my grandfather came here on a research project and then uh, it it. You know, and then it took over a year to get my grandmother here. So the family was separated. And then my dad came two years after that. So it was a long process for, for our immigrant family. Yeah. Well, a lot of us follow in those footsteps. You know, it's it, it's it's amazing. We're all mutts around here. Yeah. Uh, you, what's what this is top of mind for me. I just got back from South Africa um a few days ago actually i was in south africa for a week in in cape town and um what i found is there's a lot of mutts in cape town too like there, yes. there's not a like a, a, in america we have 
like everybody's a, a stew, right? The same is true in South Africa, but you go to Italy where your mother is your mother's from Italy. Yeah. So you go to Italy though, they're all purebreds. Like for the most part, like there's. Well, yeah, kind of... it is still very tribal there. So yeah. she was born here, but like when we went, you know, you, when you, when you go, you, you, you know, when you're there, yes, they're all Italian, but every um, region in Italy, like, you know, Umbria or in Rome or Tuscany, those are, it's all very tribal. So you have mm. different, like That's right, different yeah. dialects, different food. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a melting pot, but it's a smaller melting pot, if you will. So it's really interesting to see that. We should turn this into a travel episode. Let's just talk about <laughs> There we go. So, so, but we have a lot to talk about, actually. So Allegra, the, the theme here, generally speaking, is we want to get an understanding or, or we want to spark this conversation around um, what's working for you. Who are your members? Tell us about NABL. Who are your members? Tell us about the organization. Uh, give us a, a sense for the size, whether it's revenue or number of staff, number of members. But then we want to take that, go into what's working and what isn't from an engagement perspective. And then very specifically where I'd like to go with this, if, if Tom's good with it and you're good with it, is I want to hear about how that applies specifically to your role, which is communications. Right. So let, let's start with NABL. Yeah. Tell us all I'd about like it. a plan. So uh, the National Association of Bond Lawyers. Um, that would not be jail. That would be municipal. <laughs> big, Forgive me. What is there. a municipal bond? A municipal bond is a financial tool. So, you know, if you want to build a road, a hospital, a school, you know, a museum, community center, all of these large projects take a lot of money. And that money is gathered and managed by a whole slew of you know, a whole team. So that would include like banks and bankers. That would also include a number of different lawyers, people who are called issuers, the people who actually issue the bond uh, and and put out the request for, you know, really uh, pulling together a deal. Um, and then, you know, our, our group, which is the bond lawyers, they're the ones who actually manage the deals. And these are multi-million to multi-billion dollar deals because these are big projects. I mean, if you want to build a bridge and or repair a bridge or, you know, those that's that sounds like an easy process. But there are a number of different things that you have to think about that structurally. There are a number of things that you have to think about that in terms of, you know, its longevity. And so all of that gets put into this this bond deal. And these are the terms of the financial structure that will enable this to happen. And so uh, that's what, you know, those are those are the people that we work with. Some of them are also uh, tax attorneys. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, pieces to the puzzle. It's a really complex um, set of uh, laws and uh, governing principles. And so our group is very specialized. They're lawyers, but they're, it's a very niche organization. So we're a small staff. We're uh, seven staff. And, you know, um, so anytime we're dealing with members, it's, we, we all deal with member engagement. Like it's not, even though my role is communications, we all speak to members. We all work with them 
provide them with the information and resources that they need. So it's a lot. I mean, it's not it's not as um, with some of the larger organizations. We don't have a department. We are one person departments, and then we right. are cross trained. Absolutely. <laughs> now, our bond but, uh, lawyers. Uh, sorry, Tom. Our bond lawyers. I'm assuming that they're private attorneys with in private offices. Uh, and are they, they typically are. regional? They're not national uh, attorneys. They, they're they're working in a municipality, right? They typically are. So you do have to be, you know, uh, licensed by state. So that's in the, in in the sense that would be sort of like the the regional aspect of it. But you know, we have firms that are either state oriented, the smaller firms, or we have larger firms. I mean, you know, Hogan Levels is you know, right across the street from where we just moved from in D.C., um, you know, uh, Mintz is another firm. I mean, there are some large national firms and they have different locations throughout the U.S. And then in those locations, they have attorneys who are then licensed um, to manage these huge financial contracts and um, deals in each of those states. And so that's, which is kind of another interesting thing, you know, when you have that, you also have your certification um, is also for, you know, by managed by state level. So and, all of our education plans and things like that have are tied. And your membership size, did you already say that? Our membership size is, is we're in the process of finishing up our renewals. So we're about 2,300, something like that. And it's a, you know, as a niche organization, uh, we're always looking to expand, but I think we're probably a market universe of about five or 6,000. Okay. So I got a quick question for Legger Dave. So Legger, so you said NABL, bonds, bond attorneys, and then you follow up by saying not jail. So, and because that's the first thing I thought of, because I, I think people are more familiar with that, that, that wording than associated with bond attorneys, as you stated. And so as a communication person, for people that would be listening in, I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of associations. How do you identify yourself where it's a pro? So what do you think is the key for you and your branding that helps delineate that? Well, you know, we have a little fun with it because, um, you know, we're not Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> right. We actually, you know, we actually do have a little bit of fun with that. Part of that is through the communication strategies that we're putting in, you know, we're starting to implement. Um, and, and because we're sort of all working together as a small team, we have a lot of creative um, minds at work. And I work with uh, Brian Egan, who is our um director of governmental affairs. And we always joke about how it's sort of like, you know, um, names bond, muni bond, you know, sort of <laughs> nice. play on the James bond. Right. So it's a lot of fun. We actually had a, this last conference had out some stickers and things like that. They're all over the back of my computer. We have that one. We've got, um, uh, we've, got uh, the bond nerd hashtag and sticker to go along with that. So some of it is getting our members to, right. uh, you know, self-identify, which they actually really enjoy doing. And you'll see on our uh, LinkedIn page, we have a lot of engagement there. I mean, it's really, it's, I think it's tripled in the past uh, couple of months and we're just building on that, not just the engagement, but also having others connect with us. And a lot of that is through uh, the different, you know, things that we're having uh, 
in our activities. So through our conferences and getting people engaged and connected through that in person, but then also taking that to the next level and keeping that as a year round sort of um, process in terms of keeping in contact with people. So one of the things that we have engaged in is asking our members, and this is a sort of a member engagement um, mechanism as well, to ask our members who are our faculty members for our conferences to help us with videos. So videos that talk about their experience or the experience of the conference that's upcoming. Um, I've also worked with our leadership about uh, some membership videos. But the fun part about that is now I've got this cadre, right, of people who are willing to sort of go the next level, if you will, in terms of media, media strategy. But the other piece of it is, you know, because they're all members, they have a vested interest, right, in making this organization and keeping this organization um, successful. So one of the things that I would like to do, and I was actually going to give Dave a call about this and shoot some ideas back and forth. Um, with all of this media that we now have, these little video shorts, I'm actually planning on uh, having sort of, it's a little bit of a member um, engagement strategy. I'm going to put together an Oscars and uh, put together a, a whole like, you know, ballot and things like that and post the videos so that we can repurpose that and stay in contact with um, our members and other constituents and have people vote so that the first week of February or so, we can actually present a couple of um, Naval Oscar, Oscar awards. Awesome. I love the I love the awards because it's 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 just such a great way to recognize your members. So tell me what what is the value proposition? Why do members join? And do you find or do you struggle in communicating that value proposition or do you feel as though it's it's uh, widely acknowledged? You know, I think um the value proposition really for, for this particular group, um, because it's so specialized, they need that network. So if you're an early career person, you really need to have someone as a as a guide, you know, sort of a, a guide down the, the, the muni path, so to speak. Um, and I think that we have a lot of members who really enjoy giving back the conference that we just you know, concluded was the essentials. And that is geared toward the earlier career professionals, but we have all of our faculty. They're the ones who have been in the business for a long time. And I just finished up the surveys and a lot of the reasons behind um, being a panelist are surrounding carrying the field forward, that they love to share with um, people who are newer in the field. And so really it's all about that sharing of knowledge and the exchange. Um, and I think that the earlier career professionals bring a different way of doing business to the table because they have different um, you know, exposure and usage to technologies um, and certainly social media. It's been interesting to sort of watch the process you know, happen. I was at uh, this conference and one of the things that I try to do to make it a little bit more fun, but also to just sort of bring some attention to folks is that uh, when we take photos, I will make animations or GIFs. And so I had a panelist who asked me, why are we doing this? You know, I had them do this sitting at the, at the table, you know, just sort of smiling. And then I had them put a hand up to wave. And she was asking me, why are we doing this? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to make an animation out of this. And so she said, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Right. 
So I had, you know, this whole schedule of social media to plan. I came back, I fixed it, you know, put it all together, posted it. I happened to be in the car with her to the faculty dinner. We were all catching a ride that night together. And she asked me, could you please send me that animation? I want to share that with my kids so they could see some of the things that I do at work. Look how hip I am. Yeah, exactly. But the other part of it is um, it's a connector. So it's something that's fun. You, you, You can talk about the fun aspect of it with not just your family and things like that, but with other people. So what, what this does is she's a senior faculty member and she's much more approachable now for, you know, like now people will, you know, people who are uh, earlier in their career um, are probably more likely, more willing. And I could see it at the conference um, to approach her. And that's really important for two reasons. One, they're getting something out of it because there's a lot of knowledge to be, you know, shared and learned. They feel more comfortable asking those questions. You, you become more vested as a potential member, right? The other is a lot of these law firms, a lot of our senior folks are recruiting. So, you know, if you're more approachable, you're the fun law firm, right? <laughs> it's it's a it's a a benefit that runs both ways. So well, you Tom, know, I, go ahead, Tom. Quick, Actually, quick, no. Uh, let me, if I could, Tom. Let okay, me go I ahead. Want to go follow ahead. up with a value proposition. So, Allegra, okay. in, uh, forgive me for being uh, uh, rude. No. What's the value proposition? Why do the people value- join? They join because it is such a specialized field. They need to have access to information that can change on a whim. I mean, you know, I know our director of government affairs, Brian, he is constantly, and I work with him on a Friday yep. you know, newsletter. We also have a member newsletter, but he is constantly tracking pieces of law and information that this group needs to have. So it's about and the information. It's like about that's the really information. It. it really is. And also the connections and contacts. Yeah. Yeah. What's really, what's really interesting, and I like that you did this, you really honed in on one thing, right? A lot of people say it's this, this, and this, right? Which is not right. Right. The like top three, right. So what's the reason? And I love the fact that you said it's about the information in this real niche, 5,000 attorneys nationwide. That's a niche. I mean, that is yes. a tiny little niche and you've got half of them as part of NAB. I wonder what the other half are doing. Well, I'm working on finding out more about that. Is there a competitive uh, association or organization that they might be like? Not really. To? Weird. You know, Dave, that, yeah. see, that's, not, part of this. that's not so, uncommon because many, and you look at the studies that do by Marketing General, the average yes. association has half of the industry are natural joiners. The other half are not natural joiners. And so you have to work really hard and spend extra money and effort to get the other half to see benefit. So they yeah. just, they, they don't, it's everything from, they don't like people. They're scared that getting involved means that they have to volunteer for something because they've got that experience locally. And so they just they just chin, they want to live in a shell and just they're making their 12 percent profit and they're good with that. So why what I got to join something when I'm happy kind of thing. They don't believe necessarily naturally in investing back in the industry through an association. The other first half, because we're the same way, we have half of our industry are sold out joiners and members and the other half are not. And we and we we direct. So I want to go back real quick. Um Allegra, to your you talk about the uh, animation that you did. I think I think you did some great stuff because I've learned in my years of doing this that 
video digital assets are so important about having your members have access that can give a unified, broad-based, powerful focus. Roll message. out the soapbox. Here he comes. No, He's but, all about video. Tom. No, because because when you when you ask your member, hey, call up Joe and 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 ask him what what does he get out of the association? Joe says, well, you know what, Dave. I do it for the networking. And the guy that's asking that doesn't like people and he, he's not going to attend a conference. Well, he just lost him. But if, if Joe can send the, the prospect an, a two-minute video and say, hey, I'm gonna, I want you to watch this video. And I want to call you in two minutes and find out why wouldn't you want to join our, our, our association. The prospective member gets a very focused, because when you put music, like I, I go to movies ahead of time to see the movie trailers because that's what makes people come back. Yeah. When you put a movie trailer style perspective video together that's really powerful and joe said so tell me dave why wouldn't you want to join that it's hard for them to say no or at least it it, it shares with him in two minutes everything that he could hit in his powerpoint you know to hit to hit his pain points so i think video stuff is just to me we do videos for every every single facet of our operation but tom the the challenge there i believe is not here uh, it comes allegra no, actually, there there is uh, there's only real skill in, in video. Some can suck, and some some are are good, yeah. and some are great. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, but the, but and uh, aligned with that, a big question is how do you get people to pay attention? How do you get mm -hmm. people to even look at the email that you're sending when everybody, vast majority of people, are overwhelmed with emails, communications. Like they just get so much stuff. And I, I, I always reference this book, Amanda Kaiser. I'm holding this up so so Larry mm. can see it. Do you, oh yeah. You have this book? Huh. I do not. It's a great book. It's called Elevating Engagement. Amanda uh Leah Kaiser. It's uh she's she's a speaker in our space. She's she's fantastic and a friend of mine. And and uh, but it, she she talks about how we train our members in the first month of joining we train them to ignore our emails because all we're doing is talking at them we're, we're just yeah. talking at them and giving them like an encyclopedia stuff so what is your approach how do you or don't you maybe maybe you struggle with this but how do you get your members to pay attention to what nabl has to say um you know that's a really good question because i think that there are a number of different ways to sort of address that um, I think you hit upon something that's really important. And that is, you know, there's a lot of talking at members because there's a lot of information. If you're getting like several hundred emails a day, which we all get, things get lost in that email. And so um, one of the things that I do a lot of is testing. I pre-test every um, subject line and pre-header before it goes out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, because we're doing smaller, uh, you know, pieces of information, you know, just smaller data out there, it, I typically won't do a lot of A-B testing unless I have a larger group to do that. Because yeah. when you're pre-testing, you do get a, a pretty good sense of what's going to work and what isn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I've definitely seen the open rates increase. Um, but the thing is, is like breaking through that clutter is really hard. And I think the point of um, training your members not to ignore is a really big, huge part of that. It used to be in the old days that 
associations would send out, you know, a member welcome package. And it was like this folder and it had all these different, you know, pieces of, you know, marketing pieces and paper and all. And it looked, it might've looked nice or it might not have, but you typically it would come out with, you know, a whole bunch of things that were all printed. Now we're doing things that are more digital. And one of the things that we've actually started talking about is a landing page just for member onboarding. But we want to keep it really simple. So we're thinking, you know, cards, not novels. So typically, and you'll see like on our website, there are cards. There's sort of like little information cards. And it has, you know, graphics as well as a little bit of the text so that you can kind of at a glance, see what you want to see and delve into what you want to delve into more easily. And so it's really about figuring out what that member journey is going to be. So if that's a member onboarding package, you know, the question is, how do we break through that other 50% of the market, that universe that we want? And that's the piece that I think is a bit in a state of flux, but I think there are some things that can work. And one of the things that you and I have talked about, Dave, is keeping communications short and targeted because those are the things that are easy, things that are easily digestible um, are going to make people curious. And you want to be able to get that curiosity sparked so that they continue that engagement. But it's an incremental build, I think. You know what I'm into right now, Allegra, is um, this high, high level of personalization and something I'm I'm excited about, and and uh, you you know about PropFuel, and and we're working towards a, here at PropFuel is um, creating individualized uh, communications utilizing AI. So AI, and it's amazing, like the the possibilities. It, I'm talking within like the next year, the yes. the, the stuff we're going to see in all of our marketing systems and communication systems, and if if a marketing or communication system is not utilizing AI to create content, to, to de determine the best subject line is what, what you're talking about, to, to do all that stuff, then they're gone, they're done, they're, they're gonna yeah. be so antiquated. So, but the idea of being able to look at your website, to look at your AMS and determine that this is what Tom is, has been doing on the website. This is the activity of what he's, where he's been focused. This is the, the 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 profile data we have on Tom, and based on all that, this is the piece of content that needs to go to Tom right now. Or if you're yeah. talking about PropFuel, like this is the question. This is this is what we're missing. Yes. This is what we need to know about Tom in order to to round out the profile. So, anyway, yep. some really really cool stuff coming down the pike. Yeah, and you know, I don't know um, how much you're into chat GPT, but that's also like, an, it's an interesting source. I mean, granted, you know, all of the, the data that they're, you know, basing the responses on are in September of like 2021, right? So um, you have to sort of have that in the back of your mind, but there are some interesting things that can be done with, and I just something, something popped up and I'll make sure I send that to you with engagement that just popped up in my feed, but also with SEO. So I'm starting to use that more um, for really developing a better SEO strategy. And, you know, with the new site, we it's there are some things that are sort of, you know, WordPress is great and, and you can sort of fill in some things and pull out, you know, from descriptions and everything. But I do need to do another review on that and see where where all of that is standing and making sure that we've got all of our, our terms in there. Um, it's a combination of tools, right? So I'll, I'll probably use chat GPT for a few things 
in that arena, but there's a whole strategy that you can employ. And then also using, you know, Yoast as a plugin in our website so that we can um, hone down on that a little bit more and get into those top Google rankings because, you know, engagement begins with awareness. And I think the other, my, my sense is that the other half of the market that we'd like to really break into is just not aware. So, um, I, I hear you. I hear you, dude. Like that's, that's yep. the biggest challenge for, for us right now as well being now granted, we're not a, we're, we're a supplier, but market awareness is a really challenging long-term issue. There's so many similarities between private business and nonprofits I found. Oh yeah. Well, this nonprofit is, is like a misnomer because you have to make a profit in order to be sustainable uh, long-term. And it's, it's nonprofit really has more to do with the tax status than anything else. We're still right. businesses. And, and the thing about nonprofits is a lot of us small nonprofits, we're enterprise businesses, but we don't have the enterprise budgets. <laughs> yeah. Well, well we don't have an like enterprise be... budget either. Uh, yeah. uh, like, and I'm serious. Allegra, we, yeah. uh, and I suspect when you say budget, you know, budget is something that associations talk about. Private doesn't really talk about a budget. We have our P and L, but yes. the P and L really says this is where we're making money. This is where we're losing money, and this is what's left over at the end. And right, sources luck, and uses. It's, it's, yeah. a it's in the black and not in the red. Right, that's the right. goal: is right. to have money left over at the end. Mm -hmm. Not unlike now. Recently, Tom and I had a conversation um, about. Uh, uh, zero dollar budgeting is that what it was called, Tom? Zero dollar. Yeah, some some associations have a. Some of them even have it in their bylaws. They they run a zero based budget, which means they're going to spend everything they anticipate bringing in for the coming year. Yeah, yeah. We don't do that. We well, let yeah. me phrase that. We we actually right now, probably we're you do early on more than we're making. Just right. for the record. <laughs> So yeah. we have a negative dollar budget right now, but the, obviously the goal with a, with a with a private organization is to have a positive dollar budget. You want to make money. So is that does NABL have a zero dollar budget? You said no. you're, you're trying to make money. You're you're trying right. to put money aside, right, for the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, so the organization's mission is really to promote the the future of the of of you know, the profession, right, as a professional membership organization. So you don't necessarily, you know, want to spend everything that comes in for two reasons. You always need to have something in reserves and <laughs> because, you know, that rainy day fund can get used up very quickly. Yeah, COVID, like what? pandemics. The hell out of COVID. Yeah. So and that's a long term like effect, right? Like that has it, it the fingers of that go through all out and four years to come. I mean, the recovery process isn't is is well underway, um, but we're we're not going to we have a new normal and we're not going to have enough data to really um, to really have future economic models and projections um, for another couple of years because it's you know, we have to wait so many years at post that whole process right coming back into the business and and uh where the world is is actually meeting in offices and a hybrid and things like that right so and and where the the, the uh long-term funds that were put into place in terms of you know a couple of years to help out with you know staffing and those kinds of things and recovery funds now those are being phased out so we're really looking at like 2022 was the first year out of 
out of, you know, coming back into um, a normal, more normal mode from post pandemic. So that's year one. And you got to really have three to five years to make a good, you know, um, uh, economic model or prediction about how to proceed in the future. The zero based stuff, I mean, that's I've heard a lot about that. And I would look more closely at those financials. Typically, even though that might be the case, they're also putting money aside in reserves and investments and things like that. So it's, it's a line not, item, right? That's a line yeah, item. Yeah, it on is the budget, a line item. Right? It definitely. I mean, in PL terms, you know, you definitely, um, you know, measure that and take a look at that. And then there were a lot of people who had investments. I know many organizations um, had investments that were directly affected by the pandemic as well. So. Um, lots of different things to consider. I think that um, from an engagement perspective, uh, that's one of the reasons why you, you're you always looking toward the future in terms of the next generation. For us, it's the next generation of bond lawyers. <laughs> you know, How are we going to keep them engaged? How are we going to engage new people? So reaching out to law schools and um, maybe doing some scholarships, You know, building that awareness with the next generation is gonna be really important. I think so for big, a lot of organizations, but for us, that's something we're really focusing on. Big question, Dave. So as we're talking about all this uh, digital and electronic, do you do any print at all to like the, the non-members or anything out there? Because we do. We You live under a rock if you're in the heat treating industry and you don't know who the MTI is. Because we at least we're on this like six every every three weeks for six, uh, about two, three months, sending out some incredible, some very nice looking professional design pieces that hit at the pain points of why you want to be a member investing in MTI. So we, we just keep our name out there because we know electronic, we don't have all the email addresses as well as they're going to get deleted or they may be blocked. So we, we do enough print to keep people's minds about our logo and what we're offering. Yeah. You know, I think, um, so that's the, that kind of communications and marketing mix makes a lot of sense for like, um, larger organizations. Um, ours is a very, um, because we're so niche, we don't really do a lot of print. Um, some, something that has been considered and we haven't really fleshed it out yet is that, uh, we would like to do some things maybe in the future, perhaps with our scholarship, uh, at uh, law firms and things like that. But what we found is that for us, it's really that in-person, person-to-person connection, that which is why video has been so great for us. And so for us, it's just a different um, media mix, so to speak. But if you're a larger organization and you have um, a number of different sort of fields within a field, you need to have that awareness and you need to have that recognition, that reminder. And of those physical reminders play a huge uh, role in doing that. I love the idea of, of mailers. And, and the first time, the first time somebody opened my eyes to that concept of in this digital world, right, of, of sending up postcards yeah. and stuff yeah. was a few years ago. Um, but something I think is a really cool idea, and I think about often because, obviously, because of the line of work I'm in, our our business is about asking individuals questions, like, "Tell me about this," or "What do? You, why did you join?" or "Or are you planning to renew?" or, or "Planning to come to the, something like that." And so the the idea of sending out uh, QR codes. I was going to uh, ask that. 
Yeah, on a on a postcard or something, so that so now instead of just sending somebody something that goes into an abyss somewhere, yeah, maybe the trash. And I don't think you're going to get a huge response rate, but it's it's yet another way for people to interact with you, to engage. And <laughs> I, we haven't had, I think maybe one organization did that. I haven't seen a lot of that, but I'm curious. What do you? Do you think that's something, is that a little gimmicky? Do you think that's people are going to pick up no, on that? You know, it's sort of like what, what's old is new is new again, um, you know, and it's funny, it's happening with interest rates and uh, bond deals. So we're actually, we have a new web webinar that actually focuses on the fact that, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, there were higher interest rates. And, and so we were dealing with, you know, different ways of structuring deals and, a lot of those uh, mechanisms are coming back. So that's what our webinar is fo focusing on. And that's how it is with a QR code. You know, they've been around for a long time. But um, nobody used it until And nobody COVID. was using it. And then COVID begins and now there you go. So nobody even knew what to do with a QR they code. They had and no idea. Needed, now you needed to eat. The functionality, so the functionality, the functionality yeah. became very prevalent when the need was like flash before your face. Exactly. And so here's the other piece of it. When you're doing in-person events, I actually have a QR code that is a contact that gets downloaded to your, your, con yeah, yeah. Uploaded to your contact. Yeah. So um, it's called hi, hello, and it's free. Um, but I've been using it a lot because I can then connect with some of the, like, for instance, at this last conference, it's very easy for me to connect with some of these people who are non-members so that we can then, you know, touch base with them again later um, post-conference for a number of different things. And so, you know, it's a great way for me to collect. It's almost like, um, you know, lead uh, lead gen at a conference where you have, you know, you do your QR code at booth and then those kinds of things. Well, for me, that's not, we don't really have a trade show. We don't have an exhibit floor, uh, but we do have these conferences where, you know, I'm meeting all different kinds of people. And so that QR code is a great way to keep in touch with people. And it's organized. And I can, you know, then as, you know, Dave, as you were talking about, that's customized communications right there. And so we're, you know, as we've, we've also upgraded our database <laughs> this year. And so we're still, we're still in the process of adding a few new uh, bells and whistles to it. Um, what database so are you the, using? Is, is this, uh, IMS, IMS, right? And so yeah. you must've gone to the cloud? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And EMS. So there's a, you know, we're going to uh, find a way to make sure that the contacts that I'm collecting can be part of that. In the meantime, at least I've got them in hand and we can make sure that they are put on some of our uh, lists and things like that so that they can stay in contact with us. Eventually people do after a couple of touches become members if they're not members already. So it's that, that whole, you know, it's the crossover. It's never one quote thing, you know, back in the nineties, it used to be one thing you could send them, you know, something, you know, via snail mail and yeah. then email was it. And then and now it's, you've got to touch people from a number of different channels, direct mail, email, social, using QR codes and, and lead gen at in-person events. I mean, those are all different channels. And if you've reached that person in, you know, maybe two or three of those channels, you have a lot higher um, probability of them 
staying engaged and then also becoming a member. Amen. We, we, uh, so this is called attribution in, in our world, in the software yep. world, especially is, is in the marketing world, I should say, is attribution. Yeah, marketing. Right? Yep. And so you have all these different channels that you're trying to reach out to people. And the question is, like, what was the journey that a quote unquote prospect took to get to buying? And, and yeah. what was the trigger? Like, what was the thing you can actually attribute that last decision to? It's really an interesting yeah. and complex science. It really um, is. I know we need to wrap up, but I, I do want to ask one more question. Before we hit record, we're, uh, we were talking about uh, Allegra told us that she had just rebuilt their website. What are some of the lessons learned through that process? <laughs> the biggest <laughs> lesson learned, and, and it's one that we all kind of know, it's in the back of our heads, is that everything is SEO. So when you're when you're thinking about your website, it's not just about how it looks and, you know, the how to make it look pretty and all those kinds of things. It's not about that from an aesthetic point of view so much as it is from utility. And by utility, I mean, what is going to be the journey? So your home page, which is your basic landing page, what is that journey? Because typically people come in through the home page. Not always, because you always there are other landing pages that you develop. Um, and then, you know, how are they getting there? And building your content based on a solid, um, you know, search engine optimization. And, you know, when we were pulling this together, there was a whole taxonomy. And it was so funny you know, uh, Brian actually had the genius idea of instead of sticking in it all into this massive spreadsheet, we used Airtable. He is the Airtable king <laughs> and master. And Airtable and is, can you explain what that is? Airtable is, it's, it's sort of like a spreadsheet on steroids, um, but it just, it allows a lot more um, data collection and also flexibility in terms of being able to include other digital sources and resources. So, you know, you think links, um, you know, images, but for us, it was key in taxonomy in building out um, each of the different um, categories, if you will, which is not, not the word press category, but the, the um, knowledge categories that we were trying to pull together based on our basic um, what we knew to be our customer journey was. So people are coming to our website to find out, you know, about who we are. So of course you have that, but also about our events and um, education, our continuing legal education, but advocacy, that's a huge piece of it. And advocacy has to be built on SEO because there are so many very specific terms and, and terminology that is used in that whole process that, that um, along with all of the research and resources that are built around all of that. And so everything was literally air tabled out is what I like to say yeah. uh, before we even built the site because we needed to have um you know, we really needed to have that that very high level of organization so that we could then build that journey once someone hit the homepage. 
We use um, a competitor to Airtable is Notion, and we use Notion. It's basically a digital wiki. Uh, it's yeah. But yeah, great, great stuff. All right, last question. And by the way, Tom, we should do an episode on SEO, like a whole episode on SEO. I've, there's so many comments I want to make, questions I have, but we don't have time for that. So we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But the la- the way we end these things is we, um, Tom and I will say, hey, here's one key takeaway from our conversation. And we'd like to turn to you and ask you to give us a either one residual message, something you want to leave us with, or maybe something that, that you enjoyed in the conversation. One key point that kind of stands out looking back in the last half hour, 45 minutes. All right, Tom, you want to go? Yeah, I mean, so, so, so for me, listening to all this is kind of a takeaway. Something I think we're going to do is just talking through QR codes, print mailings. You know, you go back to GoDaddy.com success. They would show you a, you'd see this video stream on TV, and then it would stop you and cut you off at the end and say, go to WhatHappensNext.com. And everybody goes there, right? So it makes me think we're going to come up with a nice um, uh, direct mail piece. It's just a postcard that would have something very intriguing that would make someone at least go to the website. And we come up with the website name that they can QR code and scan. And what it's going to go to is a page that's got our 90-second why, um, why MTI is important to the industry video. And underneath it'll say, join, click here to join the, to invest in the industry or whatever whatever the action step is. That's kind of a big takeaway and just kind of brainstorming everything we've talked about with, with Allegra is to kind of focus in on get, using print, QR codes and our video stream to get people to yeah. go watch it. Because if they watch the 90 seconds, there'd be a whole lot better off a chance to become a member than if they never see it. What are all the kids calling it today? Omni-channel marketing? Is that it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so my takeaway, first of all, I really liked your story about the woman in the panel that uh, didn't get it when you said, just give me a wave. And she's like, what are we doing? I, I, I love enlightening people and anyone that has an innovative approach to the world is going to run into people that are just so stuck in the mud and they don't want to change. And I loved your story about changing somebody, opening their minds to something that's just a little bit off the beaten path of what they're used to doing. So I love that story. But I also love that you, um, this goes back to earlier, I wrote this down. I. I said something about talking at our members, and I love yeah. that you you um, you embrace that because that's something I think about a lot in our communications. Is we're constantly talking at people. It's like you're, we're holding megaphones and, and talking at people and, and trying to get them to listen. It just doesn't work. You know, it it, yeah. it works a little. Works a little. It, it's it's we've been doing it for thirty years, so something's <laughs> getting through. But they're throwing it's meat not on the wall. super effective. What's that, Tom? Yeah. They're just throwing meat at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, and some yeah. of it sticks. You know, some of it it's sticks. Not, it's not, some does, but it's I mean... Just I, not, it's not as effective as... And it's certainly losing effectiveness as yes. we're inundated with more stuff and more channels. So anyway, that, that I love that because that's the problem that yes. we've... That, that my, I've dedicated the last six years of my life to solving. And so that that's exciting to hear you comment on that. All right. Tell us, what is your key takeaway or the thing you want to leave us with, Allegra? Um, retro is in. And by that, I mean retro is in. Um, so we talked about the use of QR codes. Um, Tom, you, you're a genius when it comes to that ah, whole video. Stop. 
<laughs> uh, aspect of it and stopping it. Uh, one thing that I've seen a lot of lately in the media is the use of QR codes in commercials. So to make mm -hmm. sure that you have your QR code in your lower third is probably a, a good idea. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm saying that because I'm going to start including that in our videos. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to use it as part of that whole voting system for our uh, NABL um, uh, Oscars. So, so that, you know, when, when they see it, they can just, you know, they can vote. They, it'll take them to a page where they can vote on their favorite video. But the other piece of ret retro being in is that, you know, a lot of the next generation. So if you, we sort of have like, you know, you've got, you've got the silent generation, boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, and then beyond Gen Z. And what we have to think about is that, Everybody from the, you know, millennials grew up with a certain level of a heightened digital awareness, right? And beyond it, it just gets more and more concentra concentrated as you move forward. So the reason why retro is in for them is because simplified, individual, customized communications are key to reaching them. They, they need to have less of the thematic and more of the what's in it for me. Um, really very concentrated, very personalized. So um, I think that that's going to be even more important because they're, they just, they live in this sea. Like we, you know, a lot of us, um, Gen Xers and, and even some of the older millennials and further back, you know, we didn't grow up with all of this massive amount of communication 24 seven. So mm -hmm. we kind of know how to separate it out, right? Like we know how to push it aside. We can be sarcastic about it. We can ignore it. We can do whatever. But at least we know this other group, they just constantly, they, they, they just, they're constantly barraged. And I think it's really important to understand the, that um, sea that they're living in so that you, you can break through that clutter. And so keeping it personalized, customized, and also simplified. You know, so, you, just, you just, you just had me find a thought, a question to ask is, they're in the sea of fish and nothing gets their attention, but the shark gets their attention. Yes. So how does your association build the shark message where when they see it, they stop and go, oh my gosh, I've got to do something different. Cause I don't, that there's an important. You're talking about see. fear. What's the fear? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, something causes even a millennial, no matter or how much exciting. they see something there, exciting. There, there are things that every millennial stop at a moment and say, I'm going to read this. I'm going to pay attention to it. And so, and that's the shark in the sea where all the other fish, you just kind of swimming through all the other media. And all of a sudden the shark comes along 10 feet from you and you stop dead in your tracks and think differently. I got to take action on something and pay attention to that. Sex. How do you? Isn't it sex? Isn't that <laughs> what everybody stops at sex, right? Like that's the thing. That's I think why, there'd be, I, I know, think there'd be something in the governance and bylaws that would, and the policy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> should, should NABL use sex to draw members in? I don't know about that. But I'm like, that's. Hey, Dave. They I, would need, I will they would, say they they stop at video. Dave, they would need another bond, another type of bond person. <laughs> another kind that. of lawyer. Yeah, that would be I the need deal. Another kind of lawyer after yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they will stop a video. It's funny that you say that because it is true. And that's the reason why, like for us, just even like animations, those gifts, those, they, they will stop. It does stop them. And I can watch, I literally can watch it trend on social media, like on, on our LinkedIn page, they literally will stop and they'll click around and they'll recognize people. So that's that whole engagement piece that 
is really fun to watch. Yeah, we got to end this. But uh, yeah, so there, okay, one more comment, if I could, for me. And then yeah. you guys, everybody gets one more comment. So the, the, I, I had a young person, he was a Gen, Gen Zer, teach me that um, they don't have an attention problem. And in fact, Gen Xers, when MTV came out, we didn't have an attention problem. It's not an attention problem. What it is, is it's a re refined filter. We have the ability to filter out junk, right? And that's what's happening, yeah. I, unfortunately, with a lot of our members, NABL emails and PropFuel emails and MTI emails uh, either already have or are at risk of getting filtered out. They go right by them, right? Yes. So the question is, what is it? And this is the question you were just answering is, what is that thing that draws people in? So they stop when they see that and like, huh, what's going on there? I call that pattern interrupt. What is the thing that stops this pattern of scrolling? Oop, stop there. What's that? Anyway, so that's my comment. It's not it's not yeah. a lack of attention. It's that's it's like walking and hitting filter. advanced surfaces. That's an advanced surface mentality right there. And how do you deal with it? Yeah. Yeah. And part of that too can be through um, other like mechanisms, not just like, like I, we've talked about video, but, and testing and things like that. But one other thing to think about is consistency. So um, two things that we're testing. One is the consistency of a new bond term uh, on our socials, right? And it's every, you know, Monday at a certain time. We may mm. have to change it to Tuesday because we're watching the stats and we're going to make changes for that. The other is that we have two different newsletters. One comes out at the end of every month and one is every Friday. And it's every Friday by three o'clock. That, that sucker's out. And so we get that consistency is also really helpful um, because it's part of that filter. They know. Okay, if it's coming at this day at this time, it's this is one that we definitely want to look at. So we know that we can put in the little, you know, QR codes and little squares of information in there that, you know, get awareness about other things of our brand that are happening, but they are also going to it because it's the advocacy newsletter and it's got boatloads of information that is in in very digestible pieces. Okay, Dave, you know what that makes me. You know that makes what? me think about really quick. What? Tell me. It's just like I tell you. Our members look for our our members consistently look forward to every Monday getting our prop fuel operational oh. check. Welcome, there you go. Welcome, welcome to the prop fuel plug segment. Go ahead, Tom. You have <laughs> as long as you need. I could. They say I, I leave work on Friday and can't wait to get to the office on Monday to get my prop my MTI operational check in to see what other members said about last week's question answer this week's question is i get he loves, that all the he time. loves that thing like he always talks about like the weekly question that they send out to their members anyway thank you tom all right allegra thank you so much for your time yes allegra, allegra nice Kostaki. to meet you finally in person i know this is great we have to do if you're going to be at any of the conferences let me know we definitely will definitely will and dave you know what i say what there is strong, and then and there's then there's association strong, my yes, friend. Yes, there is. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association, just like a business, and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already, and don't forget. Subscribe and share with your friends.